Hi everyone and welcome to Take 10 for Torah number 896. I hope you all are well. Any questions, comments, suggestions, recommendations, or sponsorships, please email me at rabbiismach at take10fortorah.org. What I wanted to do in our second installment of Hanukkah material, I wanted to talk about one of the um, real fundamental mitzvahs of Hanukkah, and possibly the only mitzvah of Hanukkah, and that is Hadlakas Neros, the lighting of the menorah. The menorah, of course, has a bunch of laws that surround it, but I wanted to talk about the basic mitzvah itself. And to do that, we have to take a look at the Gemara in Shabbos, Tavchaf Aleph, Amid Beis, where it talks about the lighting of the menorah. The Gemara says as follows, Tanur Rabbanan, the rabbis taught, Mitzvah Hanukkah Ner Ish Ubeso. The mitzvah of Hanukkah is Ner Ish Ubeso. The mitzvah is person lights a candle for their home. And again, man, woman, the Gemara makes clear later on that it doesn't really matter if it's men or if it's women. Women were as involved in the miracle of Hanukkah as men were, and therefore they share responsibilities. And so Ner Ish Ubeso means Ner Ish Ubeso, one candle per household. It's a funny way of saying it, but that's what it means, one candle per household. Now, we don't do that. We have these menorahs or Chanukiyahs, and for clarity, we'll use the expression Chanukiah. Chanukiah, we know, has eight holders for lights, and a menorah, as we had in the Beis HaMikdash, only had seven. So that's where the Chanukiah phrase came from. But we don't need a Chanukiah, according to what the Gemara just said, because near Ishubeso, just one candle per household. But then the Gemara goes on and says, Vahamahadrin, one who wants to do what's called Mahadrin. Now, what does that word mean? We know Mahadrin shwarma, right? I go to Israel and there's the regular shwarma and then there's the Mahadrin shwarma. Which one do I eat? I don't know. I'll try to eat the Mahadrin because it probably tastes much better. Actually, Mahadrin just means the secondary level. There's a debate about what that word comes from. It does come from the word Hidur Mitzvah, which means to glorify and Mahader, uh, Mahadrin, Lahader, to glorify the Mitzvah, to spend a little bit more money, like we have with uh, Sefer Torah, or Lulav, or Esrog, or Mezuzah, we try to spend a little bit more money and, and sort of bling up the mitzvah a little bit, or is it, as Rashi says, Mahader comes from an Aramaic expression, which means to be enthusiastic, to run after mitzvahs. But nevertheless, we have level one is one candle per house. Level two, Mahadrin, right, some sort of more enthusiastic way of performing this mitzvah, that is Ner Lechal Echad Ve'echad. Every person in the house should get their own candle. Very exciting. So if I have eight people at home, so eight people are going to light candles in the window. I'm not going to have one candle in the window. I'll have eight candles in the window. Now, the Gemara continues and says, Vahamahadrin, Minhamahadrin, the highest level, if you're like super duper Mahadrin, whatever that word means, it then says, so what you do is one of the following. Either, Be'eshamay says, on the first night you light eight, and after that you descend each night, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Ube'es Hillel Omrim, Yom Rishon Madlik Achas, Mikan Be'elech Mosef Aholech. On the first night you light one, and then we add one each subsequent night. So obviously, we know who he, we hold like. We hold like Be'es Hillel, and not like Be'es Shammai. So let's just take account of what we have here. The Gemara says that the fundamental mitzvah, the basic mitzvah is that every household should have one candle shining outside of it. Preferably, as the Gemara says, by the door outside. Okay, we do it by the window. At the window, there should be one candle. But Mahajra, in the secondary level, it shouldn't have one candle. It should really be tracking every single person in the house, should be doing this mitzvah themselves, and putting a candle at the window. And so depending on how many people you have at home will be how many candles you have in the window. And then finally, there's another level. And this last level is that you should be tracking the changing amount of nights. 
it should be sort of dynamic, where it should be going down as the nights go on, that's the opinion of Beis Shammai, or it should be going up, that's the opinion of Beis Hillel. Very interesting. So, first of all, we could stop here and just ask a very fundamental question. Since when are mitzvos constructed with multiple levels of performance? Right? Most of us, I would assume, do like Beis Hillel, right? We go and track each night on the first night. You know, That's how they sell the menorah kits. And on the first night we do one, and then we do two, and then we do three, and you add that all up, and you get the box of candles with the requisite amount of candles inside. Does anybody do one candle? So the answer is, no, most people don't, thankfully, because we can afford it. But if you were stuck, right, if you were stuck without candles and all you had was one candle or the ability to light one thing, you're in an airplane over a night of Hanukkah and you have an incandescent flashlight bulb, and I hope to talk about this in a different class, an incandescent flashlight bulb, and only one of them, you could light it and still fulfill the mitzvah of Ner Yishu Beso, that basic level mitzvah. But we don't do that. We do the Mahajram and the Mahajram because, you know, the best of the best. That's all we'll tolerate. But why did the rabbis construct the mitzvah in this way where there are so many levels? So there are a lot of famous answers to this question. One answer is that if you take a look at what happened in the story we mentioned yesterday, what happened in the story is they found one little thing of oil and it was going to take them eight days to be able to get new oil. So if you only have one little day's worth of oil and you need it for it to last eight days, so what do you do? So there are a few things you could do. You could use less oil, but maybe that's not so appropriate. You're supposed to use a certain amount every single day, but you can make your wicks smaller. And if you'd make your wicks smaller, there'd be this little wimpy light that would come out of the uh, the, the light, out of the lamp, out of that particular um, cup. But it would last. It would last a lot longer. They could have done that. But the Bach says, you know what? One of the problems that they had in those days was hisrashlus, a weakening of enthusiasm around the Avoda altogether. The Greeks took over. They take over the base Amigdash, and that pushes us out, and perhaps people weren't really willing to fight for it until the Kohanim decided, yes, we were. We were willing to fight. We were willing to step up against the Greeks who had taken it from us, and we strengthened our passion for the Avoda. And in that strengthening, when we arrive back at the Beis Hamikdash and find that one thing of oil, and someone suggests from the corner, you know what, maybe we should make the wick smaller, they said, no way, we're not going to make it smaller, because to make it smaller would be like a weakening of the service. We want to do things as well as we can, as strongly and as as passionately as we can put together. And so that's what they did then. And so what the rabbis did is create a structured mitzvah where, yeah, there's the basic level, and then there's the intermediate level, and then there's the advanced. And we automatically go for the advanced in order to remember what they did back then. The Gemara goes on to ask, um, you know, what, what is the reason for Beis Shammai? What is the reason for Beis Hillel? What would be the reason to go up? What would be the reason to go down? So the Gemara explains that it's not clear. There were two different opinions of what the argumentation was all about. Pligi Batre Amoreba Marava, two people argued about the reason. And one said the reason for Beis Shammai is because he's counting the days that are yet to come. The days that are yet to come are on the first day, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, and then on the last day, all there is is one day left to come. There's very little mitzvah, very little miracle left on the last day of Hanukkah, very little enthusiasm, very little excitement. And so that's why it descends. And the reason for Beis Hillel is the opposite. We don't take a look at what's coming, but we take a look at what has gone. And so on the first day, in that first moment, it's keneged yamim hayotzeim, the days that have already left. 
And so on the first day, this is the expenditure of one day of miracle. And by the eighth day, we're like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Eight days already. And there's sort of two different perspectives of how to look at everything. There are very many uh, commentaries who explain that there are really two perspectives here. Both are valid. Both are great. We just happen to err on the side of Beis Hillel, as we generally do. How do we look at things? Do we look at things as uh, the accumulated response, or do we look at things from a very sort of literal perspective and uh, look at it strictly as what's left, what's coming, what do I have in front of me, and forgetting about the past, just focused on today. The other explanation that's given in the Gemara for the Machlokas, and this is very strange, and we're going to get back to this, I hope, in the next few days, Beis and Beis Hillel are arguing as follows. It says, the reason for Beis is because of the Pare Hachag, the oxen of Sukkot, the oxen of Sukkot, and we're going to return to this idea. The oxen of Sukkot descended every single day of Sukkot. They would start at 13, and then 12, and then 10, and it would go down each day. How many would be brought as a carbon? And so there's... I don't know, there's some sort of precedent with the oxen of Sukkot in going down. But the time of the base Hillel, the reason for base Hillel, is demalin bakodesh ve'in moridin. We always go up in sanctity and we don't go down. And of course it's questionable which one is driving the other. Does base Shammai say, hey look, it should follow the pare hachag, the oxen of Sukkot, and because there's some connection between Hanukkah and the oxen of Sukkot, and that's why it descends, and that's why this should descend too, to which Beis Hillel says, no, 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 we should be going up, because that's what we always do, or is it no? Beis Hillel first says, Malin Bakodesh, we always go up, we always go up, you have to go from one to eight, to which Beis Shammai says, no, not always, not always, sometimes we go down, like we do by Pari HaChag. And so altogether, we have a lot of a lot of things to explain, and over the coming days, I'd like to focus in on different elements of this debate, this foundational Gemara that explains the mitzvah of Ner Hanukkah, a mitzvah that we're so familiar with that we do every single year, and hopefully get a lot more meaning out of it. Have a great day.